Welcome to a podcast about wealth and life with the advisors from Foster and Motley. In this podcast, they share their mission to help individuals, couples, and families achieve the life they envision by providing a comprehensive wealth management experience. Join this seasoned team of experts as they explore actionable steps to improve your financial well-being and answer your most pressing questions. If I had all the money in the world, yeah, we all dream, especially when the lottery jackpots are big and they're growing. But time and time again, we hear about studies that show more money does not correlate to more happiness. I'm Patrice Sikora, and I admit, I wouldn't mind trying to find out if that's true or not. But if it is true, what are financial advisors doing to help clients find their happiness? Welcome back to the Foster and Motley's podcast about wealth and life. With us are financial planner Luke Hale and investment manager Zach Horn. Now, as we've done before, guys, let's learn a little bit more about you, Luke, first, because this is your first time with us. How did you get into this line of work? I've always been interested in money and how it touched people's lives. I was thinking back to my childhood, my mom and dad, my mom was a teacher, English teacher, and my dad was a social worker. So they had helping professions. So that always interested me. My dad was a a real estate person on the side and had rental real estate. So I spent part of my childhood crawling underneath uh, rental houses looking for termite damage before he purchased them. (laughs) That got me interested in investments and understanding kind of the world of money. How do you make a decision about, is this the right house to buy? Is it gonna be a, a winner or a loser? That all kind of comes down to a pencil and a calculator in a lot of ways. That led me to study finance in college and then ultimately found a crossover between helping people and finding good investments. All right. Do you like what you do? I very much like what I do. It's a privilege. I get to help people. They achieve their goals. They help them get to where they want to go. And everybody's going somewhere different. And that keeps it interesting. I can imagine. Yeah. Now, Zach, we met you briefly back in the introduction Fill us in a little bit more about your role at Foster and Motley and why what you do is so important to you. Sure. Well, I may not have the childhood stories that directly correlate to to what I'm doing today, but I too studied finance in college and developed a, a passion for investments and the markets and also helping people. And ultimately, that's what it's all about for us. My role at Foster and Motley is that I'm an investment manager. So first and foremost, I'm serving my clients' investment needs, helping them pick appropriate asset allocations, you know, how much in stocks, how much in bonds, how much risk on or risk off. Uh, what, and that all depends on what their long-term goals are. And so really it's learning about clients, customizing investment solutions for them and making sure they stay on track to meet those goals. I'm also fortunate to be the managing partner currently. And in that role, I'm helping manage the business and take care of our employees so that they in turn can take care of their clients. All right. I'm really looking forward to this discussion because I'll tell you, money and happiness to me, I think they go hand in hand, but I'm finding out maybe not. So now I'm daring the two of you to tell me why money can't buy happiness. And if a well-performing portfolio isn't my gold ticket to my my dreams, what are you going to do about it? How can you help me reach those dreams? Well, I'll just add a first thought about that is, you know, we talk to clients about portfolios and making money and growing their wealth. And, and first and foremost, they come to us 
with meaningful wealth in a lot of a lot of times in most cases it's not that they're coming to us as a get rich quick scheme so all we're able to do is take the wealth that they've accumulated and that they continue to accumulate and save and put it to work put it to work so that it grows put it to work so that it can meet their future goals a lot of that is about them making the decisions of delayed gratification you know saving today so that they can spend in the future so it really is goals based everybody wants the highest return. They want to grow their money as fast as they can, but there's a lot of variables that go into it. How much risk can you stomach? What's your time frame? your time horizon? And then ultimately, what are your goals? If your goals are just making money, I guess, you know, we can, we can shoot for that, shoot for top dollar, but typically that's not the case. The case is, uh, you know, striving for a retirement that is full and meaningful, being able to support your family, you know, for the younger clients that are still saving for college, that's a, a big thing we hear about often, but then, you know, on into retirement and, and living a fulfilling life and whatever that looks like for our clients. And we can, you know, share some of those experiences we've had the pleasure of being a part of. And then ultimately for a lot of clients, leaving a legacy, building wealth to leave a legacy to better the family moving forward. So goals change over time. Yep, they certainly do. And they change, not, they're not just different from client to client, but as you, as you mentioned, they change over time. So we start working with a client, we get to know them very, very well. We do our best to help shape conversations around what their goals are and what those changes will look like over time. Parent saving for college is in a different position than a grandparent in retirement looking to enjoy time with grandkids. Speaking of grandparents, retirement versus financial independence. Discuss that. What's the difference? We love financial independence a lot more than retirement. I think retirement implies something potentially negative. You go home and you sit. You're, you're retired. You're done with your life's work, and now you're not doing something meaningful. That's what it can mean to some people. Right. But what we have found the term financial independence, that's an empowering kind of term. That's when I'm working because I want to and not because I have to. And that's an exciting time because that can happen at any point during your career. That doesn't have to be right at the very end. And I think once our, our clients, once we work with them to achieve that, they have a different outlook on work altogether. Now that is person to person, it can be different. But I have seen very positive things happen in people's careers once they are working for themselves and not because they have to. They get excited about their work. What does financial independence mean? You're kind of talking about that there. To be very specific, it's having enough to do the things that you want to do without needing to earn income. If I have saved enough and grown my pool of investments enough to do the things that I uniquely want to do that make me happy, that also is, is a very personal goal. We've got clients that live very simply. It takes a lot less money to live very simply than it does if you have much more expensive goals. That doesn't make them bad or good. That just makes them expensive. And it could be a charitable goal. You could want to give your money away. You want to give $50,000 a year away. 
to a certain charity that you care about. Well, you need more in the bank, so to speak, in order to do that and not need to have earned income. That's a powerful incentive to get there. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it. And it's different for everybody. And that's the fun of it. There used to be a commercial on TV. What's your number? And that was how much do you need to save mm. before you are financially independent? I like that because everybody's number is a little different. And that's the fun part of what Zach and I do is we're experts in resource management. Really, we say, OK, how much is enough? You've told us you want to do these things it feels like you're getting close or you're there or you're past there. Go for it. You know, whatever you want to do. That That's an exciting journey to accompany our clients on. Yeah, we do our best to help quantify those goals for clients. They probably haven't put pen to paper on, on things that are maybe a further time away. And we try to do that. Now we make assumptions with the best information we have at hand, knowing that they're going to change over time. But if we can start planning for goals far out in the future, utilize resources to save for those goals, to invest, I should say, to put those resources to work, to grow them for those goals and, and help our clients kind of track their progress along the way, that's very meaningful. They get a lot of clarity and a lot of peace of mind from that as opposed to kind of the great unknown. If your client well, let me put it this way. How do you help your client understand what they have? Looking at a number, you're looking at a number. How do you get them to understand what this number means, how far it can take them or how far it cannot take them? We do a, a very thorough analysis. Uh, we do, we look year by year as far as we can reasonably see out into the future and say, when are you going to buy a new car? When are you going to buy a new house? Do you need a new roof? Do you need a new driveway? We try to quantify those things. And then we run it through a piece of software called a Monte Carlo analysis. And Monte Carlo, you know, is typically associated with gambling. And uh, this actually, it has an, an element of mathematics that's common to gambling in a sense that it finds out probabilities associated with different stock market outcomes because we've all lived through some markets that have been up and down and we don't know when you retire are you going to get a series of good markets or are you going to get a series of bad markets we know that there's different chances of of each our software puts some of those probabilities together and says based on your resources it is unlikely or likely that you may need to cut back your spending to deal with a bad stock market environment. Ideally, we head into retirement or we achieve financial independence and we don't have to worry about what the stock market does. As long as it produces some kind of reasonable rate of return over time, that ought to be good enough. We don't have to achieve stellar, knock the ball out of the park kind of rates of return to get to where you're going. This. Monte Carlo analysis gives people confidence to know that they have enough resources that they can weather what the stock market will likely give to them and achieve their goals. And I'll just add that we use estimates for stock market returns in these projections and we like to be conservative, but of course then, you know, as, as we work with our clients on the investment front, we're striving to get the best returns we can given their, their, risk tolerance and other circumstances. 
in the short run, markets can be very volatile, but we know in the long run that the stock market is going to be the best chance at growing money, outpacing inflation, and improving the purchasing power for our clients. So it, it really, that growth is, it compounds over time and can be a, a huge factor in determining the ultimate outcome of our clients meeting their goals. Thinking of those goals again, do people want things or do they want experiences? What are you seeing now? Are things changing? That's a great question. And I'll you know, start with an example that, that you know, came up recently with a client uh, thinking about retirement, talking about, I don't need any more. I've got, I've got all I need. And, and then, you know, talking about thinking of it as things, because we were talking about how, you know, we want to continue to grow the portfolio. Yes, you're financially independent, but of course you want to amass as much money as you can for whatever purpose it may be to spend, to give, to leave behind. And ultimately the, the client kind of had this light bulb turn on. I was like, you know what? I would love to be able to pay for large family vacations to get to rent a lake, to rent a house on a lake, gather the entire family, pay to fly them all in and really enjoy that experience with my wealth. And I think we're starting to hear about experiences more and more. Certainly that seems to be the the stories that that really have a spark to them that we hear from our clients and that that we enjoy uh, talking about with them. Are they family experiences or is it just perhaps an individual or a couple saying, Oh, I'm going to go take a cruise. I think it's both. We've seen in a, in a period of a year, we will often see a client take a couple of vacations for themselves and then have maybe one family trip or one and a half family trips. A common thing that I've seen is a grandparent will go to Florida in the wintertime uh, seeking sun and, and better weather. And they will rent a house big enough for their kids and grandkids to join them for a week when they're down there. But the so kids it's, pay for it, right? Well, sometimes they'll, they won't have to pay for the house. No, uh, they may have to pay for getting there. And there's also a different philosophy that's family to family on how much do I want to give my kids and how much should I let them stand on their own two feet? A lot of times our clients will come down somewhere in the middle within a range and a lot of times that range is if you can get yourself here, I'm buying the food. I've got a great place to stay and you guys can enjoy the beach on us. They'll have a, a combination family trip sometimes like that. Maybe it's a Disney trip, something fun like that, where they will really foot the bill in a big way. And then individuals or individuals and spouses will take a couple of trips throughout the year to, to go enjoy on their own and explore need to, to take the whole group to, to do some of these far off journeys and have some of these different experiences. It's a much more efficient way to, to see the world. And that's a different experience too with your spouse. Once a family starts this, have you seen it continue? Does it become a tradition? I think it can be an every year thing. I, th- I have seen it become an every other year thing in some cases. I think, uh, Senior family members don't want the junior family members maybe to always count on them to foot the bill for vacation. And people want to go on their own vacations. Young and growing families don't always want to go 
with the grandparents and visit with them. They want to sometimes, but an every other year kind of trip is uh, pretty common. Yeah, and there's a lot of pent up demand for travel right now, of course, with True. with everything that's gone on. Uh, we're hearing more and more people enjoying the experience of planning for what their next trip will be, excited to get back out and about again, so. Yeah. Tell me about some pitfalls though. People may have goals and they think, hey, I wanna get a second house, the family can come, but what are they not realizing? Well, you know, oftentimes just what that cost is. We talked about travel and, and travel, even that, you know, it, de depending on what you're looking to do, the, the cost can be really exorbitant or it can be rather mild, just depends on, on what your goal is there. But people often think of retirement or financial independence coinciding with the purchase of a, a vacation home. You know, they start looking at houses and, and see the the price tag for the home and, and fail to think about the the carrying costs, real estate taxes, maintenance, HOA fees, whatever else it may be. So sometimes we have to just kind of pull back on the reins a bit and say, all right, let's let's run the numbers. Let's look at this and, and see what you know, how much home you can truly afford if you're looking to get a second retirement home or even talk through the options of, of extended rentals in locations that are appealing to clients. And maybe in some circumstances that makes more sense. Certainly in, in some, it, the, they're very eager to own that second home. So we just make sure that it's a right fit. I think we also introduce in that conversation, the decision that you make now doesn't have to be forever. So there may be a season for a second home or a season for a boat or whatever it is that you have been thinking that you'd like to have and potentially share with your family. We may look at it as, wouldn't it be fun to own a vacation home for the next five years? And that's a whole lot different than owning a vacation home for the next 25 years. And then, you know, trying to figure out a way to pass it to the next generation because it's been very important to you. Well, maybe it's been fun for the next generation, but maybe they don't really want that particular property. I think things have a season. It should be used and enjoyed, and we should feel free to to get rid of them and do something different. We've kind of been talking about retirement, benefits after retirement. You kind of hinted before that it doesn't have to be after retirement. Tell me about that. Changing jobs is a big one. A lot of times people are making a certain living, but maybe not fully satisfied in the work that they're doing, but feels stuck because of the, the money that they're making and, and the, the sense that that is, is needed to, to have a successful retirement, both from a timing perspective and by a lifestyle that they can afford in retirement. So we can help do the analysis to show what that decision would do to their situation. Should they decide to leave a career that has been a uh, well-paying one for something that's more of, of passion to them. And you know, we've seen that happen before where client wanted us to let him know, can he afford to quit his job and start working you know, in social work or, or as in foster care? There's, those are just a couple circumstances that come to my mind. And so we're running the numbers to see how that will impact future goals and the long-term financial independence. That's very meaningful to a lot of people to have that flexibility, that financial flexibility earlier on in their lives, as opposed to 
working to living to work instead of working to live. So that's, um, that's a big part of the conversations too. Yeah. How does it feel to tell somebody you don't have to budget anymore? I can't imagine that. (laughs) I just can't. I think it's fun. A lot of times people don't know what to do with that uh, information if they have been a long time budgeter. And that is, that's actually more time. More often what we find is people that have been doing that, that got from point A to point B by doing that, they may, you may tell them they don't need to budget, but they do anyhow. Yeah. It, it can be freeing for some people that have never really liked that experience, but those that have done it for a decade or more in, in preparation for becoming financially independent usually don't let it all the way go. They, they still keep their hand in it. They need to know where things are moving around within their financial situation to feel comfortable. Yeah. And Luke and I have several clients that we encourage to spend. They just, they were always so practical about money and saving and focusing on, on delayed gratification and long-term goals. And, and then they get to that point and they've never been much of spenders. And I guess it's a learned behavior. So we, you know, remind them that Hey, you've worked hard, you've sacrificed, you've saved, now enjoy it. And and those are fun conversations. That must be great. It is. And, and it's also fun not sometimes if somebody's a good saver, oftentimes people who they marry, if they are a married couple, there will be a spender and a saver. And sometimes there'll be a saver and a saver, and that works great, you know, with your financial planner. But more often than not, people are different. One of one person has the financial responsibility within the home, and the other person has maybe the family responsibility or a different set of responsibilities within the home. We get to work with people and say, okay, based on your goals, you're saving enough. So we can actually turn the budget on its head. I can say, if you save this amount, and if you work this long, you should be able to not have to worry about where the rest goes. Go enjoy it. Go take the trip. Go do the thing. That is, sometimes that blows people's mind. They're like, really? I don't have to think about what the cable bill costs? Yeah, you know, you can if you want to. I would encourage you to try to get a better deal on cable, but you don't have to. As long as you're saving this, it ought to turn into this. And based on what you've told me about what you want to do, your goals, it ought to be enough. Go have fun with the rest. That's shocking for some people. Yeah, that's very, that is, it's a revelation. It's very rewarding for us to get that point through because a lot of people spend so much time and energy focused on on money and saving and and not necessarily in a in a very positive way so as luke said if we can flip that on its head and say you're staring at financial success because of all the decisions you've made throughout your lifetime now let's you know help release that burden a little bit and fully focus on life and and all the joys that you can can make of it. And let's talk about gifting too, as a, a place of joy. This is happiness we're talking about, happiness with the money that is yours, that you've earned, that you've saved. What about gifting? That to me is a wonderful, a wonderfully rewarding thing to do. I think a lot of time that starts first with family gifts. 
then we've mentioned before, there's kind of a balance of how much parents want to do that and how much they think it's healthy for an annual gift to be included in the budget of their adult children. You want to create appreciation and not dependency. Periodically, a periodic nice gift is uh, perhaps more appreciated than an annual gift. So we work with people to gift within their family. And then if their resources are appropriate and it's important to them and they have certain charities that they have always supported or would like to support, we get to show them how much they can afford to do with their resources. You can afford to give a gift to your church, to your alma mater, to a charity that you've volunteered for for years and given modestly in the annual appeal that comes at the end of the year. But now you've seen the work that that charity does and you really want to lean in and you want to you want to be a part of their future success. And that's it. And that is so exciting. That's, I think that's one of the most rewarding things that we get to do is find ways to say, hey, you've got enough and you've got enough and you can help the charity and you can give to your family and you can whatever it is. So it, that's that's really exciting. And I think I see clients really light up around that particularly if it's been something that they volunteered with and really had some sweat equity involved yeah. in over the years. Yeah. And we see family and gifting come together from a perspective of, of the family, you know, making decisions, whether it's formally structured as a family foundation or something like that, but just, you know, uh, allowing the family members of the family to have conversations about gifting, to have input kids or adult kids, Giving, given some of that leeway to decide how the family wealth can be distributed to charitable organizations, really teaching the benefit and the joy of giving early on is, is something that, that's very neat. And we see a lot of families take advantage of that. That's something I think we could even do a whole podcast on by itself, and maybe we will. But it does come back to happiness does seem to need some planning. Zach and Luke, if listeners have questions, they want to plan. How can they reach you? I think the easiest way to find out about us is is through our website, fosterandmotley.com. We have some great information on how we're able to help people about our biographies, the great people that work here, the team that we've assembled. I think that people would be good to stop there first, check that out, see if that feels right. And Patrice, thank you. Luke and I enjoyed this conversation today. We are very fortunate to work with a wonderful group of clients, and we really, really do find joy in getting to celebrate this, their successes with them. And, and the happiness, this, this kind of lighter topic that we've touched on, is one that is, it is really what our work is all about and why we're passionate about what we do, helping our clients meet their goals, enjoy you know, life-changing experiences, and really focus on everything else besides the dollars and cents of it all. Well, if it's okay with you too, I'm still going to buy lottery tickets. Does that work okay? <laughs> you know where to find us when you hit a baby. <laughs> I do. Zach Horn and Luke Hale for Foster and Motley, a podcast about wealth and life. To know when new episodes are available, subscribe. And you can also share. Your friends will enjoy it. I'm Patrice Sikora, and let's talk again later. 
Thank you for listening to Foster and Motley, a podcast about wealth and life. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information discussed and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Foster and Motley. The content, including mention of specific investments or planning techniques, is for informational and for educational purposes only. It is not intended as a recommendation or a substitute for professional financial advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions regarding your financial planning and investments. Foster & Motley is not affiliated with any third-party providers. Any mention of a third-party provider does not imply an endorsement of that provider. If you decide to utilize a third-party provider, you do so at your own risk.